We lost our baby at exactly 12 weeks. It was 12 weeks to the day. And that's when I experienced the spotting. We went and got the ultrasound and I could see our baby, but there was no heartbeat. Culturally, our entire country was shut down. I knew it was important for me to reach out. It was labor. One of probably one of the most painful things physically I've ever been through, in addition to obviously emotionally and One of the things that helped me so much, it's just having the experience of being held from the outside, having the experience of me actually being able to see and look into the eyes of my son was probably one of the most supportive things that I could have experienced. Magical moments. If I had gone so deep into myself in that moment, I would have missed Mateo holding my hand so lovingly and saying, mama, it's going to be okay. Welcome to Trailblazer. I'm your host, Bryn Daler. In this captivating space, we're breaking free from the confines of the ordinary, venturing into unexplored territory where trailblazers like you redefine what's possible. So whether you're a seasoned trailblazer looking to learn from fellow pioneers or someone on the verge of their first daring journey, this podcast is your compass. Now let's get started. This is a Soulfire production. Hello, Dr. Jeannie. I'm so happy to have you here today. I told you at the office that I wanted you to be my first guest and I clearly get what I want. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm so grateful you made the time. And for those of you who have not had the pleasure of meeting Dr. Jeannie, Dr. Jeannie is a doctor of chiropractic care and she specializes in this concept of limitless possibilities through this modality of network spinal. And oh my gosh, I I don't know if I'm going to have the ability to fully put into words what you've helped me to create in the past year and a half, but I will try. I came to you, gosh, almost a year and a half ago now. And I think if I could put it into words, it would be that I was a ball of anxiety, (laughs) just a ball of knots. That felt like I was keeping it together on the outside, like had the appearance of a cool girl, but could very quickly see that with the tiniest gust of wind, I would knock right over and just collapse. And I remember walking into your office and having this insane feeling of deja vu, like I had been there before. And maybe even be the feeling of having been there before, I knew it was going to play a very powerful role without having the idea of why this was happening. I just felt immediately like I was home. And in a year and a half, you've helped me to overcome some major PTSD from my health and COVID, Um, getting over a dog attack that really wrecked my system. Um, I quit my job. I started my own business. I got more aligned in a career, started a podcast, met my partner, and moved into a home. Anything else that I missed? <laughs> um, well, it's no, I mean, here's the thing. I don't know if you remember at our first meeting, and I said, Bryn, you've got to be prepared for your life to change. And I tell everybody that every time, like, you've really got to want it. You really have to want it. And Our concept of change, I think sometimes, especially when we're in the middle of the stuff, is just get me out of this. Of course, I'm willing to change. Of course, I'm just, you know, yes, I'll do anything, Dr. J. And then life really, really starts transforming. And so, you know, I think you pretty much (laughs) nailed every area of life possible. (laughs) Like, uh, she said my life was going to change, but note to self, it really fucking changed. (laughs) Um, But that's not just unique to me. That's everyone, everyone that you come in contact with. And you, you work with this really beautiful modality. Now this show is about trailblazers. It's about people that have forged new paths for themselves, are helping others to do the same how would you describe Network Spinal to someone who's never heard of it before? Oh, man. You know, I, it's one of those things where I could easily say, hey, it's like whatever, fill in the blank, right? And yet to that person, it would still be like, you've been eating oranges all your life. And here, I want you to try this apple. And I could sit here and describe to you that they're kind of the same shape, They're both fruits, 
but they're completely and totally different experiences. And so when I meet somebody, when I talk about network spinal, it's never about the technique itself. It's, it's mostly about what it is potentially that I'm experiencing in other people and the changes that I'm experiencing and witnessing in others. And what that means is, is that, or how that may translate in conversation is I'm just going to follow the energy. Okay. So let's say for instance, you and I, Bryn, we meet at a party or something like that. And you're like, Oh, Dr. J, what do you do? You know? And depending, depending on the energy and the presence of that moment, I might just say, I help people remember what's possible. Plain and simple. I work with what's already working in people's lives and in their bodies to help transform change in every other area so that they are more aligned with their purpose in humanity so they can bring their gifts and be a beacon for the world. That's usually followed up with, well, how do you do that? <laughs> right? And then, then thus then says, well, through this brilliant, amazing technology created by Dr. Donnie Epstein called Network Spinal. And usually I then follow, is it really that that you want to hear about or you want to hear about what's possible? Because then that becomes irrelevant. Tell me about the concept of working with what's already working. I thought that really stood out to me of let's expand upon what's already working. So what does that look like? What does that mean? Well, let's, let's do a little contrast first, right? So in a lot of self-development and a lot of medical models, the number one thing that we usually tend to focus on is what's not working. What do we need to fix? Oh, you got a broken heart. Well, let's fix that. You know, you got a broken leg. Let's fix that. And the idea here is that instead of going from a place of restorative healing, which means I'm going to restore you and keywords here, I am going to restore you back to where you were before that circumstance or that event happened, right? Instead, this particular paradigm or way of looking at not only your body system, but really in every area of your life is to say, wow, I acknowledge that your system is probably very overwhelmed right now. And there's probably been a lot of focus on what's been overwhelmed. What would it be like in this moment to know, not just from here, but to have the experience of a part that's already open and available? a part that remembers what peace feels like, a part that remembers what hope feels like without you having to do something more, without you having to show up more, without you having to just, I mean, really the invitation is to just remember in this moment. When that happens, that prefrontal cortex of your brain, the evolutionary part of your brain that is responsible for being able to see and experience the bigger picture of what's happening in life, what's happening in your body, even for a millisecond, all of a sudden gets turned on and then it can say, what's really going on here? And that's the key. Because again, like I said, in those moments of overwhelm, in those moments of just, I've had enough, me telling you more or focusing more on that, is that truly going to help get to the the peak or the root of what's really been going underneath? It's not just about fixing something. It's really about being able to reap the wisdom, utilize the energy potentially that's been bound in that experience and then transform it, not just get you or your life back to where it was before. Mm. I'm trying to think of the countless examples I've had of this exact embodiment of a moment when you're working with me and working with my energy. And there's this sigh of relief when I remember that it's already done, that I don't have to struggle through something or dive deep into my internal experience and suffer. And it happens almost instantaneously. And then there's this moment of alchemy where I, what you've really done for me is, is shown me I can move through an emotion pretty fucking fast. And on the other side of that is what's true and what's available. And I think you, you nailed it when you talked about the, you know, the current space of healing and what people focus on is this diving deep into the shadows and having to really touch the, the depths of your soul and And don't get me wrong, we do that in your office, but usually it's for three to five minutes. And then we've moved. Yeah. 
at most. And I actually, I want to, I'm going to go a little out of order here because it was at one of my experiences with this modality. Um, when I was listening to Donnie, you were talking about the founder of this net, uh, network spinal and epienergetics. And I was listening to Donnie speak and he was talking about this concept of internal versus external. And as a coach, I thought, oh, fuck, everything I've learned just got flipped upside down on its head. And I could have been stubborn and I could have said, well, this isn't for me. Uh, That doesn't fit in my box of things I understand about the world. But I thought, huh, let me really sit with this concept because in the coaching industry, I was taught that in order to move through something, I needed to close my eyes, find the sensation, get super intimate with it, feel it all the way through. And this experience of going within, always go within, go within, go within. And then I listened to Donnie and you, and it was the opposite. It was like, no, 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 stop doing that. I want you to go out. Can you tell me about that concept? Because I imagine many people are going to be like, "Uh oh, totally." Well, and first, and I can't, I can't continue this conversation. Obviously, this part in peace without just mentioning. By the way, there has been—I like to almost see it as like almost like a manual for creations codes. Okay, so Donnie just released his book, The Seeker's Code. And in this, he talks about this concept of where, where do we really, where do we really source our energy from? And so without calling it internal or external, if we were to just say what really energizes us and just to simply ask the question when thinking about the past and stacking the moments from the past, is that more energizing or is it more energizing potentially to experience the possibilities or the vision of the future? Now, as an external, somebody who sources more of her energy from the future, I'm like, vision, baby, all vision, all the time. If I were to ask my husband that same question, (laughs) and I were like, vision all the time, he'd be like, "Uh, let's remember what we did last year. Don't you remember (laughs) this one moment or this one time? Like, he's definitely more sourced from the past. And so simply by asking that question now, again, because we're, we're, this is again, tuning to what's already working, not only what's already working, but what's already energized and available. And so by doing so, if we look at it really as just energetic capital, do we want to focus on where there's a deficit (laughs) or do we want to focus on where there's an abundance, where there's an abundance, right? And So for those who may be more future oriented, who may be more vision oriented, you going deep within and focusing on the past and like your deepest wounds, not to say that at some point these things won't get acknowledged, because I think that's also a very important distinction. But what if you could experience that with more energy? What would happen? How would you participate with it differently? What would you, what sort of wisdom potentially would be more available versus, again, seeing and experiencing it from a deficit of energy versus an abundance of energy? Mm -hmm. So good. It actually brings me right back to a moment before I knew you, before I knew about any of this um, type of learning and and, um, system. There was a moment when I was maybe three to four months out of leaving my marriage and the pandemic had just hit and we were in the great unknown. We had no idea what was going to unfold. And I am in the middle of some of the deepest grief I had ever experienced. The kind that brings you to your knees and just takes the breath out of you. And I was on the bathroom floor, essentially dry heaving, like just crying so hard that I was like, I had no air in me. and. I remember thinking it was like this lightning bolt occurred and this message of there's going to be a day and a time where this matters to someone, where this moment that you're experiencing of this deep grief of your marriage ending is going to impact another woman. And that's, I think, the perfect example of using the type of grief that will just suck the life right out of you into impact. And it was like, my soul knew this, there was going to be impact in what I was experiencing. And it got me through in that moment. Exactly. That is, that is spot on. 
spot on. And again, you know, it's not to utilize that as a means to kind of go into the pseudo everything is love and because when you are in your deepest, darkest places, somebody coming up to you and saying, the world is all love and joy. That doesn't honor anything. And it's almost kind of like an F you to your human experience. You know what I mean? In those moments when you can source it from that place, it's almost as if you can simultaneously be more with the grief or whatever may be coming up. But again, it illuminates it in a way where, again, you're experiencing with more of an abundance of energy versus, like you said, where it just feels like that, you know, that type of grief that is just sucking the life out of you. And that's, and that is such, such a difference, such a difference in the action potentially that may be taken after that such a difference in the range of emotion that you can experience in something that we may be even calling a grieving period. What did this experience look like for you when I I know this from just getting to be intimate in your office and hearing about your story? You have two beautiful babies that I've gotten the pleasure of meeting many, many times. And I also know that throughout your journey of motherhood, you also experienced loss and you talked about this publicly and I'm curious, what did this look like for you in experiencing loss in motherhood? motherhood. Well, you know, I, during my chiropractic school journey in my very last year of school, three months before getting married, I lost my mom. And so I, and, and the reason why I'm mentioning this is because I feel like things were set in motion at that point where in my journey of motherhood in itself, I didn't have that one person that would have been able to like, you know, hold my hand to say, Hey, we're going to get through this. This is something, you know, it was just motherhood in itself was its one thing. And I was missing my mother. And so the reason why I'm mentioning this is because when I, and it took us a little bit to finally decide this is the time that we're going to bring another soul in, you know, into the world. And, and this is after, you know, my son, by that point, I think he was four years old, I believe, four years old. And he even at the age of two, three, he knew he was going to have a sibling. He knew he was going to have a sibling. And so when we got pregnant, which was in January of 2020, and this is the thing, Brent, it's like cosmic crazy where the, the timeline of when I had my son, Mateo, and when we got pregnant with our first, our first angel baby, their timelines synced. So the timing of when we got pregnant, all of those things, it just, it was all in sync. And so here, you know, in the now in navigating this, and I guess it was a tumultuous time in the world also, right? Like, uh, we lost, we lost our baby at exactly 12 weeks. It was 12 weeks to the day. And, you know, where usually it's like, hey, you're in the clear, you know, sweat off the eyebrow, like we're good. And that's when I experienced the spotting. We we went and got the um, uh, ultrasound and I could see our baby, but there was just, there was no, there was no heartbeat. And devastation, I don't know if in that moment, like devastation really like can land the, like the feeling and the experience of it. And in that moment, despite the fact that culturally our entire country was shut down, I knew it was important for me to reach out. And in so many interesting ways, you know, our midwife didn't come, like she didn't guide me through what I was going to expect in terms of pregnancy loss. And it was labor, like full on labor with, but without the feedback of the of feel good hormones. And so one of probably one of the most painful things physically I've ever been through, um, in addition to obviously emotionally. And one of the things that helped me so much, and I wanted, you know, at the time in the moment, my water broke. So my water broke and I knew it was time, ran to the bathroom. And in that moment, I was like, you know, it's just going to be talk and I'm going to talk my husband. And then we're like, you know, Mateo, why don't you just stay in the living room? You know, you can, you know, but what do you tell, what do you say to a little one, right? He came in 
And I kid you not, all three of us were just holding, we're just holding hands. And the one thing that if you could just in that moment of experiencing something so, again, devastating is the word that comes and stacked with traumatic, stacked with like, it's just having the experience of being held from the outside, having the experience of me actually being able to see and look into the eyes of my son was probably one of the most supportive things that I could have experienced. As opposed to me going so deep in, you know, and just, I mean, like even as my body is like, I'm right now, I'm just like, if I were to just go so deep in the trajectory of what that would have looked like on the other side or how we would have seen and experienced it on the side would have been so different. And magical moments. If I had gone so deep into myself in that moment, I would have missed, you know, Mateo holding my hand so lovingly and saying, mama, it's going to be okay. I would have missed him, I kid you not, singing Itsy Bitsy Spider was one of them. And then the second song that he started to sing was Happy Birthday. You can't expect like a little four-year-old to put those two, you know what I mean? Like, and because I would have just been so in it, we've all had that experience of being so in it that we're missing everything else that's happening around us. And yet this other observer, this other part of me that could participate in a different way expanded the experience. It expanded the experience to where, if I were to think about it now, and Mateo, you know, with the birth of his sister, he was able to participate to cut the core, like all these different things. But the imprint, if I think about the imprint that that has on his soul, in the event that he ever had to walk through supporting a feminine force in one of these most what I'll call most intelligent, brilliant moments, because God, can you imagine your body knows, your body knows in that moment that at some point in the trajectory of this particular development, something wasn't going to fully complete, that your innate wisdom was able to say, we've completed and this must pass on. That for him to be able to have that experience and for me to be able to frame it in this way that from the, like from the future, having for him to have this range as a masculine presence for the feminine is like, and I see it. I actually see it with him and his sister. Like it's insanity. It's, it's insanity to me. I wasn't prepared for how he can lovingly step in and knowing what our family has, has walked and been through. And we do that was twice. So First loss was 2020, second loss was in 2021, and then we conceived Mila in 2022, and then, of course, then she was born in 2022, which again, by the way, Mila's timeline completely overlapped with her sibling and Mateo's, like to a T. Incredible. It makes me want to just, the next time I see Mateo, pick his little body up and give him the biggest kiss. He is such, I mean, he's extraordinary. And- what else would I expect when you're his mama and talk is his daddy? Because that's what you live by. You live by extraordinary. And oh my gosh, I just was so deeply enamored with the way that you told one of the most challenging things I imagine a woman and a family could ever go through and how you were able to see it for, I mean, impact, beauty, range is just phenomenal and inspiring at so many levels. And I think that's one of my favorite things about you is the range that you have. It's actually one of the notes that I wrote in preparing for this is we have gone to concerts and drank wine together. You have made jokes about uh, my ass cheeks clapping for my partner, (laughs) which I feel like I almost now have to tell the story of that. (laughs) Because if you're like, Bryn, please cut this out. Um, I can do that. but. There was a time where I I was in your care for maybe six to eight months and had just met my now partner, Eli. And he had invited me to go on this trip to Italy. And I literally got the call on your way to on my way to your office. And what was really funny was I didn't say anything. I didn't tell you. I just came in probably buzzing like I was on something. And the first thing you did was you put your hand on my back and you said, uh, what's going on? (laughs) 
And I told you what had happened. And that session was, I mean, one for the books. Like I just, I squealed. I think you even said like, what would unbridled joy look like? And I shrieked at the top of my lungs, probably burst everyone's eardrums. And then somewhere along the session, I said, Jeannie, my cheeks are hurting from smiling so much. And you said something along the lines of, those won't be the only cheeks hurting. <laughs> well, I was like, that's my doctor. I couldn't love her more <laughs> in this moment. <laughs> oh, it's just like who you are though. And I, it makes me love you so much. And you have such range because I've seen that side of you to the side of you that could just, when we were at an event, you spoke to the the weight of motherhood. And like I watched you cry in such an authentic, connected way to then jumping on stage an hour later dancing like, you know, you were trying out for a cheerleading team. Like you were just, you have so much aliveness. And I'm curious, how does one, whether you're in network care or not, how does one even tap into more of that aliveness? Because I think that's really what you've helped me do and what you do so well. I think that it tunes back to what we kind of like started the conversation with, which is, you know, what, where is the energy? You know, where is the energy? What is it that, and, and are you able to really identify where that source comes from? Again, you know, I think sometimes, and you know, we could talk about all the different ways in which we've all been conditioned, you know, where it's like, oh, you experience this much joy, you, you know, you're kind of waiting for the next shoe to drop or whatever. I mean, all these, all these different parts of pieces. And, you know, we've also been conditioned to believe that in order to experience that much joy, you've got to suffer this much in, you know, in return or vice versa. <laughs> okay. And so being able to follow the energy without it having to make sense. I think is also a really key part, you know, part of my nature, I believe, even from a, a, you know, young, young, little, little has been this. It truly, I mean, I, I still distinctly remember, you know, as a three-year-old sitting in my parents' restaurant and I would specifically seek out the person that was sitting by themselves. And I would go over there and I would just plop myself down and keep them company. and. Because somewhere innately, it's like I felt like they needed to know that they mattered. Whatever, whatever, despite whatever their situation was, maybe just that day they were having lunch by themselves or whatever. And I innately knew I was just wired differently in some ways where, you know, I just, I (laughs) I was that really weird kid who (laughs) would... I don't even remember where I was or where where we were. You know, it's like you kind of sometimes go through these magical moments as a child where you're like, I know what color car is going to come around the corner, you know, <laughs> like, or I am going to make that mobile move with my mind. <laughs> like, And we go through these moments of magical times, which, by the way, we're all wired for. It's just that we've been conditioned to forget. And I was just that kid who was like, I have there's a message for you. You know, and I would pick up a book, whether it was like the Bible or, you know, my latest Judy Bloom. I would like open up the book and be like, that's what you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't surprise me right? at all. And I've just, I feel like I've always been kind of led to just follow what we might call these energetic breadcrumbs. You know, if I wanted to dance, which I danced ballet for 12 years, that's what lit me up. And that's, that was my fire. Service was my fire. I was, you know, I loved, I loved student government. I loved being involved in things, not because it was from a place of significance, but I feel like it was just because I knew at the, like the most expansive part of myself that I was made for service. Like that's just my nature. And so despite the times and moments where I tried to make it about myself or I attempted to make my life fit into a very digestible, I'm going to be an online and like not an online, but I'm going to be a, you know, a broadcast journalist. I'm going to be the next Connie Chung to, you know, doing something completely in a very different way where, you know, some 
most Filipino families would be like, oh my God, you have a doctor. You're so, I'd be so proud of you, you know? But like, she's not that kind of a doctor. She's a different, you know, it's like very, it's like, you know, give me the box and I will find some magical way to remind you that the box doesn't exist. That is so true. And the, what I'm taking away from all of that is when you stop making it about yourself so much and what's possible when you focus on connection and community. And I mean, it's what your business is called the hive, right? And I forget that sometimes, but that's what you have created. And I think if I remember correctly, isn't that how you also met your partner? Because you were just being so extroverted and wanting to make connections. You just like cold DM'd him. I was like, hi, I'm looking for a yes. friend. <laughs> Is that right? Totally. On MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I haven't dated myself yet, but yes, on MySpace. Yes, because I was not interested at all in a romantic relationship. It truly was just about, hey, I see you're new in town. I'm new and Asian. <laughs> We could be two of six in Santa Fe, New Mexico together. Um, but do you, would you like to just go and hang out? Really was honestly, my husband definitely remembers it differently, but that was truly the intention was really just to make a connection, to make friends. Like that's, that's who I've been. I, I think ever since I really started to embody that and understand that it's about something so much greater than me and that I lose energy when I make it all about me. In fact, that is why I am hosting this show because I went to my boss, Kelly, and I said, I'm not interested in the Bryn show. I've been living that for 33 years. I'm ready to really make this about service and impact and the way that I'll show up in the world for others. And that's where this was born. And for so long, I, I needed that internal validation and external validation of I'm doing a good job. And, and then I just got tired of that story. And I realized it was so much more enriching to focus on others. And yeah, I just, I, I see the way that that lesson has been so impactful in my life and what opened up for me as a yes. result. Yes. Again, again, it's a totally different source of energy. It's a totally different source of energy. And here's the key thing too, is that when you allow your system to, to be much bigger than just you or your immediate circle, immediately that system will require more energy. Thus, <laughs> all the different things will show up in order to fulfill that energetic need. So whether it's more connections, whether it's more opportunities, whether it's different relationships, your life will match the capacity and the bandwidth at which you have, right? Or know that is, is, it is like that there's a, a capability there, a possibility there. But if you continue to continue to downsize, especially when life starts to like, right, you know, and if you can't see my body, I'm like, oh, I'm like crunching back in. Our, our, our tendency is to downsize, 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 downsize. And then again, you just have to ask yourself the question, is there a deficit of energy here or is there an abundance of energy? I see so much the way this has showed up in my life. And I think I've even said those words to you of Jeannie, I want to have the capacity to hold more. Like, let me just hold more and more and more in search of just the most extraordinary version of my life. And I think that's why I was drawn to you is because I knew that there was something else that life had in store for me. And I'm actually curious about the balance or not of this concept of claiming extraordinary while also being deeply content with what you have. Do you think that's bullshit or is there something there to like what? Because Eli and I talk about this a lot of this concept of claiming more and possibly even getting lost in that pursuit. And so I'm curious what you have to say about that. I love that. I, my, here's the thing is that just because you claim extraordinary doesn't mean that, here, let me rewrite it. Claiming extraordinary. If you're claiming extraordinary to get out of you, where you are, 
that's not claiming extraordinary. Meaning, I'm just going to claim extraordinary because my current situation sucks. You know what I mean? Claiming extraordinary. I'm claiming extraordinary. Like that, that's not it, right? A rewrite of this is that, let's say for instance, you are in a position in life. You are at a, in a space where you just, you know that there's more. And yet how life is showing up for you isn't providing the amount of energy that's needed in order to experience the next thing, to do the next thing, to see the next thing. In those moments that you know that potentially that next decision or that next action, that even that next emotion is required in order to make impact, that's when to claim extraordinary. It's in a moment. You cannot be in a neutral, ho-hum, everything's fine, everything's great kind of type place if you're looking to make impact. And I also want to dispel this idea of what energy rich or super rich looks like. (laughs) Because I think sometimes people think, oh my God, I've got to be this like massive ball of energy just bouncing off the walls, doing all of these things. And it's like, can I just enjoy my life? Well, that's, that's actually a part of what, that magic is, is actually this, this sense of richness to where you potentially may not have to, what do I say? How do I say this? It's not going to take as much effort, meaning you can work hard. You can work and like, but it's a service. It's not effortful. You could work your ass off and do all these things, but there is an abundance of energy, meaning it's not like, you're having to exchange your humanity for the hustle. Like they can be, like they can be one. Does that make sense? I wonder if I'm kind of dancing around here. Cause it's like, I think that sometimes it's claiming extraordinary to me is, and for people who are like, why, why I don't, I don't get why what I would need to do that if life is really brilliant and great. If life is really brilliant and great, then are you able to be in a place where you actually can fully be with the greatness of life? Because if there's still a part of you that's like, kind of, oh shit, when is, when is this going to go under? You haven't claimed extraordinary. When you can be in the greatness and you can experience the energy and the experience of that fully, like Fully be in the magic. Fully. Without even like that (laughs) 0.25%. Right? That's claiming extraordinary. Because in that moment, you now have a greater abundance of energy to be able to impact, to create more impact in others just simply by you being you. You can have extraordinary at a restaurant experiencing the most delicious freaking meal you've ever had. And just because you have the capacity and ability to fully express the deliciousness of this creation and magic of this creation, now, even if without the like conscious knowing of it, you have probably impacted the majority of the people in that restaurant simply because you have the capacity, the bandwidth to be able to fully express all of you. Make sense? Oh yeah. Two, two memories come up that I think will help to give even more context to this. There was a moment when Eli and I were first dating, when we, which is one of those nights where we went, I think out for ice cream. And I made a joke during ice cream that he laughed so hard at that. I thought he was going to choke. Like he was just unwell from this very, that I thought not funny joke that I made. And that energy carried over into the next moment and the next moment. And next thing you know, we were at a movie theater buying movie theater popcorn, but not going to see a movie. Eli just really wanted the popcorn. And we were so drunk on love, like so giddy, so high, could not stop laughing. And there was this, she was probably 16 um, year old girl working the counter. And you could see that her energy shifted just by being in our presence. And Eli always goes back to that moment and he'll joke. He'll say, I swear we changed her life. I swear we changed her life and what she saw and experienced of what love can be in that moment. And 
it was so tender and pure and neither one of us were trying, but it was true. It was like, that was us helping someone else to just experience extraordinary in the most mundane of moments. Exactly. Exactly. And that's when, when there is no try, when there is no trying, that's, that's the richness. That's the energy richness. That's the energy super richness. Because now it's not like you're just trying to make something happen. It's like you've already accepted it's done, you know? The other moment that comes to mind that takes us in a different direction was you were talking about like you can't make an impact when you're neutral. And Eli and I were going through a rough patch and I was listening to something you said or something Donnie said, and he was talking about how getting angry is actually like the, a step out of moving out of neutrality. And I kept looking at this from the lens of, well, if I want to be extraordinary, how could I inspire Eli through this like beautiful thing that I'm going to do? And, and then I thought, actually, you know what? Fuck that. I'm angry. And I think that's the energy that's needed to move us from A to B. And so I got angry. And we both, in the moment of me expressing just pure unbridled rage, we literally had this moment of alchemy where he started to cry. I started to cry and it broke the tension. And then we were into this next level of our relationship. I was like, oh, that's also what claiming extraordinary can look like because it wasn't about me being angry at him. I saw our potential and I knew we weren't living in it. And so I went to the future of what, what is needed for us to be this extraordinary couple that I know we can be and this neutral bullshit we've been in is not it. So I got mad and I brought that feminine chaos and it snapped him right out of it. And I was like, oh, okay, this shit works. (laughs) 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 And I have about a million more stories like that. So yeah, so good. So, so good. Now you and your partner have been together, is it 18 years at this point? Oh my gosh, what year is it now? 2023. 2023. Yeah, it'll be be 18 years in December. Mm -hmm. Holy Mm -hmm. shit. Okay. So 18 years, nearly two decades of love and commitment and I'm sure traversing all sorts of things. What is required? Because we actually haven't really touched this subject yet on this show. What is required to have extraordinary in love? Oh, great question, friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, just answer that for all right, of for, yeah. because we're all done. Right? No pressure. What is required to experience extraordinary in love? Wow, that's a great question. And as I think about like the moments where if I were to sit down with Mila and Mateo, right? And to say, hey, this is how your mama and papa met, you know? It all goes back to, again, what if it didn't all have to make sense? Donnie says that love and understanding are in opposite directions. And it is. it wasn't until you know, probably in my most recent years that I've really gotten to under, like, look to understand, to actually experience what that means. And when I look at the energetic breadcrumbs and the things that brought talk and I together, (laughs) none of it makes sense at all. And there's so much magic there. And so I feel like in the moments and times when I think number one, knowing that extraordinary is possible is important. Extraordinary in how we see each other, extraordinary in how we experience each other, extraordinary in how we experience our families. That's important to know. And again, in the moments and times when we may be experiencing something that's maybe more subordinary or ordinary, that's either me trying to make more sense of like, what's happening? What am I doing? What are we doing? (laughs) How do we just, uh, uh, that's me doing this. What's the next step? What's the next plan? What's the, which is so opposite my nature. And it's also me forcing, and I can, I can feel it's like me, like trying to force him to come meet me in my nature 
Or can't you see the bigger picture? Like, you know, it requires, again, an expansion of my system to see and experience my system conjoined with his system. Like we're one nervous system, this one system. And the moment that I can see it so much bigger than that, again, like I said, through the eyes of Mila and Mateo, of us experience, like sharing with them, hey, you know, this is, this is potentially what life could be like, right? It, again, it just, again, it comes down to just what if it didn't all have to make sense? Because that's magic, you know? And that magic is real. It's freaking real. I've, I've had so many examples of that, including, but not limited to, the moment Eli and I were at the gate, which is, I call it, for lack of a better phrase, the Super Bowl of Network Spinal. <laughs> it's like all of these Network Spinal practitioners, and I swear this is not just like one big sales pitch for Network Spinal, but also it's changed my life. Um, and if you can find a practitioner, I highly recommend it. Um, but it it was this gathering of all these Network Spinal practitioners. Um, and I think there's like 250 people and it's one one big weekend of magic and alignment of your soul and what your greater purpose and vision are for your life. And not always what you think they're going to be. In fact, it's probably rarely what you think it's going to be. And at the gate, it was the, the uh, I'm, you can fill in the gaps here for me if I miss something, but it was the soul session, like the session where they literally were like, we're going to make contact with your soul and what it wants. <laughs> Am I saying that right? <laughs> yes. Soul session. Yes, yes, yes. Yep. Where it's like universal. Okay. So yeah. it was the soul mm-hmm. session because there were themes for each session. And, and I remember getting on the table and saying, like having a little chit chat with my soul and being like, whatever you want to show me, I'm here for Mind you, I had gone to that event thinking it was going to be all about my career. I was like, I want to be the best, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to have all these Instagram followers and da, da, da. And at the last minute, Eli was like, I'm coming to the gate. I was like, well, that throws a wrench in my career expansion because now it's going to be about us. And I was pissed at first. I was like, I want it to be about me. So then I'm on the table. I'm like, all right, soul, whatever you want to show me. And I have a session with Karina, who's another incredible network spinal practitioner. And it was maybe 30 seconds into the session that all I could hear, I'm going to try to get through this without sobbing, was mother over and over, mother. And I got lifted off the table after the session. They literally carry you like you're an angel. And I got carried over to Eli and my eyes are still closed and I'm integrating the, the beautiful words that I heard. And... I felt the presence of our future child and I reached my hands up and he doesn't know what's happening. Mind you, I have not spoken a word. And in fact, I don't know if he's going to kill me for sharing the story, but here we are. I reached my hands up and I feel like I'm holding little hands and I'm making contact with what I believe this to be our future child. This does not make any fucking sense. And without knowing what I'm doing, what I'm experiencing, he leans down, whispers in my ear, you know, you're going to be the future mother of my children. He had no clue what I was experiencing. And so then we proceeded to just lay on the floor and sob and hold each other. And then eventually have like mind blowing sex, (laughs) which we did not conceive a child in. (laughs) We were very careful. We're like, not yet. Just hang on tight. Um, But that's, That is my relationship in a nutshell. It has not made sense from the moment I met him. And the moments where we are experiencing the most magic do not make sense. And God, has that been hard for my little Virgo soul? Because you were (laughs) saying it's your nature to like be in the magic. And I was like, is it possible my nature is spreadsheets and stability? Um, I'm definitely learning to embrace more of the the unknown and the magic and I love it, but God, I struggle with it sometimes. (sighs) I'll remind me to reach back out to you when, you know, Mila might be having a Virgo moment. I'm like, Bryn, remind me of what she might need right now. (laughs) Oh my God, Mila and I are Virgo sisters. Absolutely. I mean, we also have Beyonce on Team Virgo and I'm like, if she's a Virgo, then, you know, all else, all is well. Oh my gosh. 
Jeannie, this has been such a dynamic conversation. It's also been my favorite because I have not necessarily gone in the order that I thought. And again, it didn't make sense the way that I wanted it to, but I followed the energy and here we are. Now, I know I, I call the people forging new paths trailblazers. The world of network spinal calls them seekers uh, or epienergetics calls them seekers. And so what I'd love to leave our, our trailblazers or our seekers with is what guidance do you have for those that are on the path? How do you want to leave them this episode? Mm, well, I mean, it's been a brilliant theme already, you know, but what would it be like to entertain just the possibility of it not having to make sense? My sense is, is that, A, if you're listening to this podcast, probably a lot of your life doesn't make sense right now. And you're like, shit, maybe I can get some answers, you know? And if not answers, better questions. And, you know, the thing is, is that in those moments and what we're really talking about when it's not making sense, what are we truly listening to? When it's not making sense at that moment, We have now chosen, if you've chosen to follow what doesn't make sense, that we've chosen to acknowledge the mind and now potentially really answer the invitation of our soul. So more of that, you know, so much more of that. And when you do that, possibilities are limitless, absolutely limitless. You know, I'm I'm sitting here in front of you or wherever you may be, okay, someone who never thought they would ever go back to school. Someone who I had completely and totally, everything that I had identified as, you know, 4.0 student, magical photographic memory, just this amazing like social butterfly, give me a dance routine and I can shoot it back at you in like, you know, two seconds flat. Oh, I know what move you're going to do next. Like that kind of brain thinking, have that all thrown out, find this cray cray work, (laughs) regain access to my photographic memory, get off antidepressants, revisit my brain. All of a sudden I'm not dyslexic anymore. Go back to school to take science classes that again, I never thought I would ever be able to get through and then be here on the other side to be able to tell you and share with you that magic is real doesn't all have to make sense. And however you got here, there's a reason for it. Just follow the calling. I can't imagine a more perfect way to end than that. (laughs) Dr. Jeannie, you are truly one of the most incredible women, humans I've ever met. I love you so much. I will never be able to accurately put into words what you've done for my life. And now the impact of that and what it will create it for everyone listening to this show. I am endlessly grateful for you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much, Bryn. What an honor. It truly is an honor to be a witness to your brilliant, brilliant magic. So thank you. I love you. Thank you. 